Welcome to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, the CEO of Community Building Artworks, a nonprofit organization that connects veterans, healthcare workers, and civilians through workshops led by the artists of our time. Each week, we interview an artist to find out about their process and how they've overcome silence in their lives. Brendan Wint is an Ontario-born poet and spoken word artist who uses poetry to attend to the joy and devastation and inequity associated with this era of human and ecological history. Increasingly, his work on the page and in performance casts a tender but robust attention toward the movements and impacts of colonial capitalist logic and how they might be undone. In this way, Brandon Wint is devoted to a poetics of world-making, world-altering, and world-breaking. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you for being with us. Oh. Um, how are you today? You had an early uh, Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were saying <laughs> we were saying off air that I, I've had a little bit of a, a turbulent day as far as my sleep schedule goes, but I'm I'm uh, I'm well in most of the important ways, and I'm excited to be talking to you. So that's, that's I'm so glad you're here, and you know, you taught for us last month, and you'll be back for us in September here at Community Building Artworks, and over the probably the course of the Last two, three weeks, I have watched your poetry film, Dear Lover, a lot of times. Like, let's say like a, a couple of dozen times because wow. I love it so very much. I've taught with it. I've like, just like used it as a meditation with different people. Um, and then reading your bio just now and this idea of like movements and world making and world breaking and altering. Um, I feel like that video, embodies that um, in that it doesn't look away from what is wrong in the world or what is hard in the world or you know the mm -hmm. sort of ways that it is wrecking and wrecked mm -hmm. um, but it also calls us forth to accept that and, and walk into another version of ourselves. Um, can you talk mm -hmm. about sort of maybe how you, it's such a big question, you can be like, no, this is great. Um, but how do you, while staying, you know, you stay pretty rooted in the world, right? And that shows in your work, you're rooted in pop culture, you're rooted in the devastation and honest difficulty of the world. But you also, there's this like joy and tenderness and light in your work and in your being and in your teaching. Um, and I just wondered if you, like have any practices around that? I think poetry is the practice. Mm. Um, like it's, it feels, it feels like, so I think part of it is, is uh, responsibility in the sense that, that I came, I came of age and I'm coming of age uh, through cultures of spoken word primarily. And uh, I was reading a book by a spoken word artist the other day. Uh, and in the introduction she called, she called uh, spoken word like the political wing of hip hop, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that like my work is naturally or or like you know inextricably tied to hip hop, but I, I the notion that that spoken word is the political wing of of a certain form of um, uh, oral oral performance, uh, yeah, feels feels resonant, and it's not and it's not that that 
it's not that I view spoken word as like inherently um, activist or, or that I'm like taking on titles and honorifics every time I, I, <laughs> I speak on stage or, or write a poem. Um, rather that I think there's like a, a, a cultural urge to attend um, in that way or like to find to find the balance between um, this sort of gaze uh, that wishes to reckon with suffering and reckon, reckon with injustice, but also if that's all one is doing, uh, then rather like, like it's also my responsibility to situate um, my humanity as fully as I can mm. into whatever context that I'm talking about. So like merely, merely like pointing a finger or, or you know, devising eloquent rants um, like it gets it gets stale. So like uh-huh. my my general understanding is that people come to poetry um, so as to have the human condition reconciled in some way. So like you know it's like a confrontation between human and human. Right. You know, and so um, yeah, the balance that I'm trying to strike is one where you you see my humanity, but that you understand that that. Um, uh, part of participating in in this this thing we're doing, this thing we're making, uh, the worlds that we inherit and craft <laughs> as human beings is is um, suggesting revision, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> so I have some stake in in suggesting revision, but um, but I'm a naturally optimistic human, I think, mm. or, or I try to be both optimistic and tender in my way of being, and so that has to come to the fore as well. So it's yeah. always it's always both. Yeah, I mean, and there's this sort of, I think too, like, um, I think often to myself that like capitalism and as we practice art as a job, it's capitalist, Mm -hmm. doesn't care if I live or die. I have to, I have to turn to that thing of like, well, why am I, and you know, and it like, it wrecks my mood if I'm only writing dark and I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And also reading, right? And so there's this sort of, um, real grace in reading a poet who is holding both things in their work as you do. Um, I'm interested in, and in not, not placing you as this sort of spokesperson or authority on it, but like what, what does, so you said spoken word is the political wing of hip hop was this thing that you repeated, but what does what what does spoken word? How does it differ from poetry on the page for you? Um, or does it? Yeah, increasingly in terms of writing, it doesn't. Um, that might also be symptomatic of of the fact that like we're we're surviving a pandemic, so I've just been been I haven't I haven't performed, <laughs> I haven't done anything that's felt like spoken word. Uh, uh, in quite a while, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think I think um, the more I read, I understand the vastness of the ways that poems can become or be poems. You know, like like there are so many ways to, to configure uh, poetic meaning, poetic poetic sense, and so really, um, I'm just trying to to 
<laughs> I'm just trying to write well and then like yeah. whatever I bring to the stage or whatever I bring to the live context is, is a matter of me sort of embodying my relationship to the things that I've written. So like for me, um, it's not it's not that spoken word um, is like a, a form or genre of writing. It's more it's more uh, in the act of of you know disseminating it in a live context. Although right. like like reading my book and and sort of um, feeling people's reactions to the book, um, I can feel and sort of know uh, the ways in which uh, spoken word has sort of uh, kind of inextricably influenced my 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 way of writing because mm-hmm. like my sense of my sense of audience is different you know yeah. and so then therefore like my sense of risk taking on the page or my sense of um, what it means to communicate is different so my poems might tend to be um, direct in a certain way so like I want I want to be understood you know so like this sort of uh uh erudite or opaque poetics like it doesn't it doesn't work for me because like anything that I write that I like will eventually be read for an audience and it just it's no fun for me to (laughs) to read a poem (laughs) that I don't think people will understand and so I think I think yeah in that way um spoken word has sort of influenced my my yeah, my sense of who I'm talking to and how, but like when I when I encounter the page or when I come to the page, um, I'm just thinking about like, hey man, Aristoteles Gramai is great, Ross Gay is great, Dion Brand is like you know I'm just thinking of, right. of, of these sort um, of these sort of idols. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Who also you know do this thing where there's so much delight and joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as much rigor applied to joy as it is to, you know, like naming um, the ways that the world is hard. When you said, I want to be understood, I thought a lot about um, how often we are, first of all, discouraged from understanding ourselves, Mm. like from understanding, from naming our feelings, right? Like we Mm. live in a world, um, Mm. I think, where we're sort of pushed to drive on and have often been raised in families and in communities where like there's a risk, Mm -hmm. right? There's a risk Mm -hmm. to needing anything. There is a risk to letting your emotions be out of control in any way, Mm -hmm. right? There's a sort of like uh, contraction. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we decide to come to the page with I want to be understood, It means first, like, I'm going to sit here with my shit and understand mm-hmm. it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you do that? Like, how did you start that? How old were you? I mean, anything. What, what comes to mind when you think about this sort of overturning the silence and deciding, like, no, no, I want to be understood? Yeah, there's so much. There's so much there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I could, I, could, <laughs> I could spend a small lifetime uh, trying to answer it. So I think, I think, you know, in the first sense, um, poets become poets uh, precisely because they do not know what to say more so mm-hmm. than 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 you know some sense that they know what to say. You know, so even even in the even in the context of like me being a person who uh, 
has like an equal capacity to name beauty or to like you know pronounce pronounce my joy you know like even in being overcome by by happiness or, or yeah reckoning with the sublime you know um uh i'm confounded i'm confounded by language and so or confounded by by feeling often um and so language <laughs> is is a, a useful tool and then poetry is like the most useful tool among the language tools that I have. Um, mm -hmm. And so coming to the page or like being a poet is a way of reckoning with um, the things that I feel and don't know how to say. So it's foremostly about trying to understand um, the distance between that which I know and feeling and that which I can know with my conscious brain, my conscious, mm -hmm. my conscious self and tending, tending to that gap. And so, yeah. Um, I've often said like poetry is the way of, or is the way that I've kind of charted my spiritual progress. And so, and so it's like, you know, uh, yeah, you can read, you can read poems of yours and be like, oh yeah, like I was really preoccupied with this idea or this feeling, or, um, I have a similar feeling now, but like my consciousness has grown in this direction. So I'm able to articulate it more fully mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So there's a value, there's a value in that. But then also, um, you know, in the context of wanting to be understood, um, I'm the sort of person where uh, my entire career, so that is in terms of performance, in terms of collaboration, in terms of the way that I disseminate my work, uh, it's really just about broadening the conversation um, because broadening the conversation creates more threads of understanding and meaning for me so like the more the more the more reflections I can create around the things that I've said the, the better able I am to like find new nooks of meaning and understanding to be like oh like ah uh, this this is the effect or uh you know perhaps like oh that's different than what I meant like all these things all these things yeah. I like the feedback I like the feedback um and so it's it's one way also of like refining my political ideas you know so like I'll say a thing in a poem and then hopefully a thousand people hear it or read it and I'm like hey uh, extend that in in this way or actually you're wrong about this or that you know and so yeah. um, poetry is like for me the most efficient way of uh, entering conversations and also like introducing people to um, the things that are like urgently important to me and I think I think that sort of, um, I don't know, discourse or like that kind of dialectic relationship is is just inherent to um, the way we build community, the way, the way, yeah, the way people come to know themselves. Yeah. You know, is, is I through, think like, I love that you, when you said broadening the conversation, you meant both the sort of interiority of broadening the conversation within yourself between yourself and X or Y idea or emotion, but also broadening the conversation in terms of how you're engaging with other people, many, maybe people you don't even know, like people in the world. Um, and there is that sort of, you talked about closing the gap between the irrational and emotional and the rational um, sort of experiences. And I think there is too that, um, closing the gap between the internal experience and the experience of being a person living among other people. 
Mm -hmm. um, that is made possible by asserting your experience, maybe applying it more broadly, which is dangerous, it can be dangerous, right? To just be like, this is what happened to me, it must be what's happening to everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, but then to be able to take that feedback and grow your um, experience is a really beautiful mm -hmm. thing. I wanted to know about your rituals. Do you have any rituals to get into the writing space or even just like daily mm. clearing your brain, wow. clearing a funk from you? Wow. I like to know um, the witchiness of the people around me. Yeah, you know, I think I think one of one of my one of my struggles or, or like one of the things that I'm um, maybe less satisfied with in my life is that like art making is is actually like the most developed ritual that I have you know so like you know there's so much talk about like self-care and like how to tend to myself so like I hardly I, do, I don't have a lot of um well-developed rituals for life that aren't around you know how, how am I gonna write this poem or make this album or or like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the poetry is the way that I tend to myself most readily you know um and so, huh, what are my writing rituals? In the pandemic, it's different. I mean, I course, just write, I write if I if I can, you know, if I have the if I have the mental space. Um, but but in pre-pandemic times, uh, I just wake up whenever I feel like it. Um, fart around on YouTube for. <laughs> you go to YouTube then, right in the morning first thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's like um, it's like my comfort food, or like it's it's like when I'm not exactly sure uh, how I want to move or what I want to do, and I'm just like waiting to receive an impulse from my consciousness. I'll just like whatever, watch a bunch. What of, do you? It's, oh, this. I mean, Seema, I don't know if I'm allowed to. to you know, Tell me what you're watching. <laughs> you got it. You have to. What are you looking up? Oh, it's, it's this really is just what sports. we were waiting to get it's to. It's really just sports. I just is it like I just, bloopers. No, like like uh like sports talk or sports podcasts oh. or like, oh man, LeBron, you know, should have taken should have taken this shot in the fourth quarter. You shouldn't have passed the ball, and like you know, like <laughs> like you know, like meaningless because I I grew up I grew up um consuming a lot of sports like so so like. In my in my self image, um, sports and poetry like had had equal equal mm -hmm. sacredness. So like before spoken word was a thing, as a child I thought I was going to become a, a a sports commentator because I was, I, like, I knew I knew that I had uh, some capacity for speaking or like that was going to be my thing like right. using words. Uh, but I was like, oh yeah, sports. So I was like, I'm going to be a commentator because I didn't know I didn't know that that one could make poetry writing into a job, you know, and still debatably. Your question was about rituals. Though. No, no, um, but I want to know now, now we've gone off. Which sports okay. are you watching? Uh, I'm, I'm consuming a lot of basketball. Like mm -hmm. basketball is like my, my, my first, my first love. Um, uh, you know, I do, or like can watch hockey, although like playoff hockey, that gets on my nerves and like um i'm like skeptical of it like all 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 like sports culture um is is not <laughs> not nice necessarily <laughs> like it all, 
it all deserves skepticism, but but hockey culture in Canada particularly <laughs> because I feel like there's a sort of uh, um, I feel like uh, white masculinity is like yeah yeah white masculinity is like more closely aligned with dominant culture, and then in Canada it's like maybe like doubly so, where it's like these men are our meat like you know like the way the country sees itself and the way it sees its hockey are like you can you can study the two in tandem and it's like there's a lot of overlap you know um and so I'm like uh why am I watching why am I watching this or like or like (laughs) what am I what am I cheering for you know because it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I cheering for is a real thing with with especially the, like bloody sports like hockey or American football. Where you're just like, oh, what am I? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I justify it. I justify it by uh, you know because like every human experience is 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 a mode of storytelling. <laughs> so so I'm like, oh, I'm just oh, interested oh, in the story, right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get on YouTube, you yeah. watch people talking about games that you have watched already or 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 not or Just, not okay because that's the thing like if you're if you're like aware of the narratives then then you bring more to your your watching experience so if you know that like oh um whatever so and so lost in the finals last year to so and so or there's a rivalry between this team and this team when you watch like all yeah, these stories yeah. are in your head and then you get to watch them like unfold. It's like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I watch a lot of sports and then I'll go to a coffee shop and, and write for six hours um, until, until I'm tired um, and then come back home and, and watch sports. <laughs> so that's your number one your search on youtube is there you don't have another search on youtube so for example i'll offer to you i like to watch lava flows like different first i was just watching like video of lava like national geographic sort of things and now i've gotten into these videos where people melt rocks and make lava and then it's like lava versus a windshield and they'll pour the lava on a windshield oh. or lava versus iphone and they'll pour the lava and i can watch that shit what have you got that's like that? Wow. What's my like obscure? Huh? <laughs> hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I could open up YouTube right now, but I, I won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess to give myself, <laughs> there it is, to give myself credit, I guess like the other side of that is like, uh, I watch a lot of uh, uh, intelligent Black people talk. So it's like such and such lecture or like, you know, whatever, the black radical, like, you know, mm-hmm. just, just, yeah, I watch a lot of that sort of stuff. And then also jazz. So like, yeah, when I'm trying to like feed my brain, I'll, I'll listen to a lecture or like, you know, watch Dion Brand talk or, you know, these sorts of things. And then, and then listen to, cause I think, I think, um, I think jazz is like the most nutritious music that I've encountered mm. or like it, it, it mm, it sounds the most like it best replicates the experience of trying to write poetry in, in so, insofar as like, um, cause, cause like you can feel the, the, the thrust or like the, mm, the enormity of meaning, mm-hmm. but also it's like slipperiness. So like the, the, the uncontained nature of like, uh, trying to express anything 
uh, is there, but also also like the, the different forms of sense making that right. get employed um, in in the music making. Uh, and so it's like, oh, if I listen to jazz, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is the best poem I've heard all day. Um, so yeah, yeah. Just so, I'm just trying not to make myself sound like a total. No, a total we're going to cut all of this stuff and we're just going to make it this, the YouTube sports stuff. Yeah. I, I would 100%, I, I would 100% start watching sports if it was commentated by poets. So I mm. just want to like drop that okay. into the consciousness. Okay. I watch baseball mostly because it's very boring and I find that relaxing. And the commentators just like have all this space to say yeah. weird things to each other. <laughs> but if it was a pair of poets, huh. I watched the hell out of that. So, okay, I'll think about it. I'll think, think about, about it. it. <laughs> think about it. Get another poet and just like Dude, riff with them. Thank you so much for listening to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, and I hope we see you at a workshop soon. You can see our full schedule at www.cbaw.org. We're looking forward to being in community with you.